All right. Which is more gooder? Which is more gooder? Which is more gooder? Welcome to the oh geez. Welcome to the Which Is More Gooder podcast. I am your host Scott White, and I am joined by Mariel Smithwick. Hi. All right. So we're talking about two classic science fiction horror films from the '80s: The Thing and The Fly, both remakes of movies from the '50s. Now, are you familiar with the originals at all? No. Had okay. I realized that, I would have watched the originals. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we may do a later podcast. We'll compare the originals. Okay. But this is the 80s. So the first movie we're going to start off is with The Thing from 1982, starring Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, <coughs> Keith David. It had a budget of $15 million, and it made $19.6 million. It has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes and has an 8.2 on IMDb. Really? Yes. <laughs> now, what did you know of this movie? You said you told me that you just watched it for the first time from start, start to, to finish. finish. Yeah. Um, I had seen, like, you know, back in the day when we didn't stream and we had TV channels with commercials and they'd air movies and uh, it was on late one night, but I didn't see the very beginning and I didn't get to finish the end because I fell asleep. So I'd only seen <clears throat> parts of it. Well, this would be a hard movie to put on television. Yeah. With there's that famous scene in the movie where the head, where spider legs sprout out of the head, and do you know the history of this movie? I do not know the history. So when this movie came out, it was considered a flop due to the numbers, and all the critics hated it. And Kurt Russell was disappointed, and John Carpenter. This was John Carpenter's first major Hollywood film. Because he hit gold with Halloween mm-hmm. in 1978. And then now over the years, this has become regarded as one of the best science fiction movies of all time. So this is a movie that's gone through a transformation because it came out two weeks after E.T. Mm-hmm. So E.T. came out and we had this nice lovable phone home and then we had <laughs> this movie. Right. Now, are you familiar with the movie Starman that he has directed? John Carpenter. No. With Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen. The reason we have Starman is because of this movie. Because this came out, everybody hated it, everybody compared it to E.T. So then John Carpenter made a, a feel-good science fiction movie, and that's Starman. And I would suggest you check it out. It's a really good movie. Star- Jeff Bridges is fantastic in that. But So this is a movie that's gone through a total transformation of it was garbage when it came out to now it is a, an, an all-time classic. Mm-hmm. Now what did you think of the movie? On, on a whole, are you a horror movie buff? Are you a science fiction buff? Uh, horror movie buff. We love them in our house. And science fiction, um, I've seen a ton of them, but there's not like a love or a hate. It's like, oh, I enjoyed that, or I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Um, but I do love good Kurt Russell. I love Kurt Russell. There's nothing cooler than Kurt Russell in a full beard, long hair, and a sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how cool you are, you're never going to be cooler than that. And Kurt, Kurt Russell is the king of cool in this movie. And him and John Carpenter are friends. They worked on uh, a bunch of movies together. Both movies, The Fly and The Thing, are both known for their practical effects. 
before we got into computer generated, which now looks like crap. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, the thing is based on a movie, uh, based on a book called Who Goes There, about an alien. Uh, there's this team of, and it's an all male cast, which is which is odd. Yes, that uh, was very noticeable. The <laughs> only, and there's uh, the only female connection to this movie was the voice of the chess machine you know kurt russell is playing computer chess the voice is adrian barbeau who was john carpenter's wife at the time nice. but that is the only so this is an all-male cast and it's it's very very rare you see and i'm not i mean it's all male like you may see a movie that has you know star like what oceans 11 that has an all-male cast but there's extras and yeah, this no, is just this is... this is just uh, 11 or 12 men in the antarctic and that's it yeah the frozen tundra in the, fo- in the frozen tundra now there's a lot of there's a lot of violence towards dogs in this movie it, did that did that bother you um no because as tough as i am i am a scaredy cat so if i thought well, this thing infected all of the dogs. Sorry, dogs. You, you did. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Um, so, no, I don't have any problem. A being comes down, and it can assume any form. And the movie and the movie pretty much starts out of the gate. There's this helicopter shooting a dog, uh, a dog running on the ground shooting a dog. It lands at the camp where all the guys are at, and they end up killing. It's a Norwegian. Mm-hmm. And they end up, uh, the, their helicopter blows up and they end up killing the Norwegian. And so there's this dog that has, that, uh, you know, bonds with one of the guys there. They go and they investigate the Norwegian camp and they see that everybody is dead. There's one where this man, this guy has slit his wrist and the blood has just froze. It's so cold there. It's frozen. Mm-hmm. You can see it. Yeah. Now, do you know anything about, so they made a prequel to this movie, also called The Thing. Oh, I that takes place in the Norwegian camp. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, so and it's it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's stupid. Yeah. It uses computer generated. It's it, what it did was it started using practical effects, and then somebody got hinky about it, and they switched to computer graphics, right. and it looks terrible. And if you go on YouTube, you can see the original mm-hmm. practical effects that look so much better. But anyway, there is a prequel to this movie that takes place in the Norwegian camp, and that movie ends right when the thing begins with the helicopter. They find this uh, block of ice that had an alien. Basically, they bring the alien back from the Norwegian camp to the... Because uh, that's the safe thing to do. That's the safe thing. They bring it back. And they start, they don't know what it is, and they start examining it. And Wilford Brimley, Wilford, it's like the old diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, Cocoon, your grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. In all those movies, he's in it, and he doesn't have a signature mustache. And <laughs> He doesn't. I didn't pay attention to that before. Yeah. They start doing an autopsy and poking things, yeah. and it's like... And there's crazy. a big, like, it, and with the internet, there's a big thing on the internet of who was infected and who wasn't infected and who got infected when and who was this. So there's a big, it's like a, that, that meme with all the, the strings. Yeah, they're trying to find the timeline. The timeline of who was infected and right. who, because Wilford Brimley touches the thing with the, his pencil and then they put it to his, he puts it to his lips and he, oh, that's when he got infected. It's a, and it's just. Here's my one thing that drove me nuts about the movie. Okay. There is no way Kurt Russell was as sober as he was with as much drinking as he was doing 
throughout the entire film. <laughs> Especially sober enough to fly a helicopter right before a storm starts to land and there's like zero visibility. J and B. And this is, and I don't know if that was product placement. It couldn't have been product placement, I don't think. Weren't they looser back then? With I think so, <laughs> but it is, it's not whiskey. It's J and B. That's what Kurt Russell is drinking through this whole thing. Literally, the whole movie. The whole movie, he's drinking. So we get to the point where they have to put the dog from the Norwegian camp. They put it in with the other dogs. And this is when the shit hits the fan. fan. (laughs) And it is just, it it explodes, you know, it bursts out of its shell, out of the dog. And it's just, it's just impressive. It's it's gross. And it's impressive to see. And all that, so it starts shooting this white goo at the dogs. It's so gross. Yeah. It's Twinkie. It's the stuff That's inside Twinkie. of Twinkies. Oh, don't tell me that. That's the stuff inside of Twinkies. Twinkies have been ruined. Now. Yeah. But it just it just looks great. It's slimy, and then what happens is it, things start bursting out of it, and then so you see all the planets that it's been to, mm-hmm. all the things that it has, it has assimilated in its mm-hmm. life. It just yeah. comes bursting out. They have a flamethrower. And, and Kurt Russell uh, tries to set it on fire. He sets part of it on fire, and then it, it escapes. No, he sets it on fire, I believe. Got to remember this movie. Yeah, they burned it to a crisp. They burned it to a crisp. This was before, because we see, in a scene before, we see the dog that, had, that was the creature. It walks into a room with an unknown person. Mm-hmm. So you, you assume that the dog has assimilated that person. And the neat thing about that shot, it's just a shadow. It's just a, a profile. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't any of the actors. It was a totally different person because John Carpenter didn't want anybody to like figure accidentally it figure it out. So yeah. it, it was just it was nobody. It was none of the actors. It was just a, a different person who cast that. Wilford Brimley. He has his Atari twenty six hundred computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking back, man, it's brutal to see technology that they dealt with back in yeah. that time. And in this movie and The Fly, they both use the computer to give us exposition. Instead of two people talking about, well, blah, 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 mm-hmm. they, they use the computer, which I thought was a clever way to get exposition out. And Wilford Brimley says that there is a 75% chance that at least one person has been assimilated. And he says, if this thing got loose in the in the world it'd be like 24,000 hours yeah before very quick before everybody was Mm -hmm. a a creature so he makes the decision now did you think and this is another big debate on the web and actually and John Carpenter has never addressed this you were the thing did you know you were the thing or did you not know you were the thing that was the big deal it's like if somebody was taken over would I know if, if I'm an alien right now would I know I'm an alien or would I just not know would I think that I'm me I don't know. Um, I think it's whether or not the alien would want you to know. I mean, like, I'm going through The Last of Us right now on HBO, and it's you get taken over by something, um, but unless there's physical outward signs showing of infection, it's completely controlling what you're doing, and you're not aware of it. You have no control. So because I don't think the thing would want to trap trap them there because its goal is to infect so why would he trap everyone there so Wilford Brimley finds out the world could end the world could end and while this is happening another person gets assimilated they catch him in mid-assimilation right so he's out in the snow and 
he's part human and part thing, and they dump kerosene on him and they just burn him up. There was a lot of explosions. Tons. And uh, Dean Cundy was the cinematographer in this movie, and he did Halloween, and he's like a real famous. He works at Carpenter a lot. It was really beautifully lit. So they're out in the snow at night. They're using their flashlights and headlights, and there's this like glow off of it. It's, it's really, it looks really, really nice when it was outside. And according to Carpenter, the shooting conditions were horrible. That was, they were actually. No, yeah. Well, and the great thing about snow is how reflective it is. Yeah. So you don't. It really will help you just create this ambiance that makes it very cool and creepy at the same time. It does. Time. It You feel the isolation with these people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, like, funny when you watch, like, a movie where they're, like, Evil Dead, where they're trapped in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in the background, you see a car drive by because it's, like, because they couldn't. They couldn't do they it. They didn't yeah. block off the road. Mm-hmm. So, oh, hey, there's a car road. This is total isolation. Wilford Brimley, once he finds out that. They might be a creature among them. Destroys the helicopter, mm-hmm. their only way out, and destroys the radio, their only way of telecommunica- uh, telecommunica- of communicating. Mm-hmm. And the tractor, and the dogs. Yes, he kills all the dogs. So they can't sled out of there. Mm-hmm. So this is the question. Spoiler: Wilford Brimley is going to end up being an alien. Mm-hmm. So if he's infected at this time, if he knew he was an alien, he wouldn't do that. I, if he knew he was an alien, he would have shut down. It's like, you know what? Everything's fine. We'll just go back. He would have taken himself. Yeah, because the goal is to infect. You don't want to be stranded. No. In the middle of nowhere with nothing. <laughs> and there's this great scene where Wilford Brimley has just taken an axe to the radio. He smashed up some of the chopper pretty good. Nobody Child, go see if he got to the tractor. Nobody gets in and out of here. Nobody! You guys think I'm crazy? Well, that's fine. Most of you don't know what's going on around here. Hold on, damn well. You're some of you do. Christ. He got most of the chopper and the tractor. And he's killed the rest of the dogs. Gary, wait a minute, wait a minute. Child, go around to the map room door. Talk to him. Get a table from the lab. You think that thing wanted to be an animal? No dog making a thousand miles to the coast. Okay, Blair. Come on, man. You don't want to hurt anybody. I'll kill you. Like, he's just lost his mind. He does. Like, he goes from zero to 60 like that, and then he goes back to zero, from 60 to zero. And they finally contain him and they put him out in a shack by himself and so this is where Wilford plants the paranoia seed in Russell he's mm-hmm. like watch Clark 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 was the guy who, uh, who took care of the dogs yes. and the dog was the he goes watch Clark so now the paranoia is starting to set in right. 
And then the argument over leadership and who's got the right. calmer head. And right. Donald Moffat, I believe, he is a, he's an old character actor. And he is supposedly in charge, but people don't trust him. And they want uh, Kurt Russell's char- character, McGurdy, 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 to be in charge. And he doesn't want to be in charge. So it's... it's At this point, he should be very drunk, by the way. Right. He's literally been drinking the entire time up to this point. <laughs> Maybe being outside <laughs> sobers you up. Okay, so the thing about this movie, and once again, The Fly, and I'll use a movie like Jaws, is... Like, there's a ton of shark knockoff movies, and there's a ton of just science fiction monster movies. What those movies don't get is the, the human characters have to be interesting. The reason this movie works and The Fly works is we, we are interested, we are invested in the human characters, especially in Jaws. We are invested in those three human characters. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people just like, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just put a bunch of gore, we'll put a bunch of science fiction, and when the... The human characters become secondary. That's when your movie suffers. This is, it's not only a science fiction film. It's a film about 12 men slowly developing into into paranoia. Uh, Who can trust who? And trying to figure out science. Trying to figure out science. (laughs) Whoever is the thing at this time tries to frame Kurt Russell's character. Correct. Because it puts a, it takes one of his shirts that has his name in it and it like shreds it. So the thing obviously has intelligence. It's trying to frame him uh, because he's putting things together, apparently. So Kurt Russell, they corrals all the men. He has a, he has a flamethrower and he has a stick of di- a bunch of dynamite. Mm-hmm. And he's holding it. He's like, and he figured this out. And like you said, I mean, he's not a, he's not a dumb man. No. But he's not a scientist. No. So the, it, so he, but he, he's able to piece together. He's like, the alien is like every cell is a living creature. In that thing, so every like if like when we cut ourselves, our blood doesn't feel pain, but the way he figures it is, if this thing will feel pain, because of the way one of the characters died when his limbs were trying to separate and his head came off and yeah. it grew its own legs, yeah. he realized each piece wants to survive. Mm. So he thought, right? Yes, because Clark, who is in charge of the dogs, makes a makes a run at Kurt Russell, and Kurt Russell shoots him in the head. So he's dead. And then uh, another guy has a heart attack, mm-hmm. and... Uh, that's the one whose head pops out. That's the one whose heads pop because he's... Uh, the, the doctor is giving him the defibrillator, his arms go through his chest, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a scene where this... So that was an actual amputee that they put the actor's... a mask of the actor on his face. So that was an actual amputee that had his arm, you know, that was doing flailing his arms. Oh... A lot, yeah. There's a lot of tricks in this movie. So Kurt Russell has all of them tied down except for one, and so he's doing this test where he is heating a piece of wire with the flamethrower, getting it red hot, and everybody has cut themselves mm-hmm. and put their blood in a petri dish. And a lot, and it's like the a lot of the squeamish things. It's like there's a, there's scenes where a, a guy's getting a needle in the arm, and where they're just using this exacto knife to cut their to cut their thumb to bleed and it's like a lot of people were from what carpenter said it's like a lot of people thought that was the worst part of the movie because it was just well because that pain is one that people have experienced they've cut their thumb really yeah. bad and those are things people are like that hurts like when other men see other men get hit in the nuts yeah. they instantly start hurting it's just a visceral reaction you can't help it he's heating this piece of wire and he's going to put it in the petri dish and burn the blood and the way he figures it that will hurt the creature so he does one of the guys that's that's not tied up he does it to him he's fine mm-hmm. 
He does it to himself. He's fine. He does it to the guy who runs the, uh, the dogs, the guy he shot in the head. Mm-hmm. He does it to his blood. He's fine. Mm-hmm. So now people are thinking, okay, you're, you're full of shit. This, this doesn't work because it's, it, hasn't, it hasn't worked on anybody. And Carpenter did this, and it's very, very clever. The, the, the way it worked is when they are eventually going to get the creature, he's going to burn the blood and, there's, and something's going to pop out of the Petri dish. Kurt Russell has a, there's a tube, there's a fake hand, and there's a tube running up through it. John Carpenter sets up that fake hand. Like, if you saw a real hand in one scene, and then in the next scene you saw something that didn't look the same, it's like, oh, something's going to happen, that's a fake hand. So what he did was he set up the fake hand in a couple of the ones that didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So now the audience is used to looking at that hand, and they're not going to think anything is different. Ah. Very, very clever. And then he burns one, and it works, and it, it shoots out of the dish. So there's these, these guys tied on the couch, and one of them starts freaking out. <laughs> and the other two are just like, get it, you know, untie us, untie us, untie us. It breaks out, and they can't, you know, once it's like the flamethrower doesn't work, and... The thing ends up grabbing one guy by the head and mm. flipping him up. Oh, yeah, that's Nas, the, the chef. Yes. So he kills that guy, and then uh, Kurt Russell burns him, and he runs out, and then he has to burn the remains of a guy who's still human. So so that's like a tough scene where it's like he's... He, He's not an alien yet, but he's he's either dying or he's on his way. So yeah. they got to they got to kill him while, like you said, with the dog. They got to kill him all he can. And they continue with the tests. And it's this. There's there is uh, Kurt Russell is not the Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, one liner, Stallone one liner. He's stoic. There's very very little comedy in this in this movie. Little to none. Little yeah. to none. So they're all tied up on the couch as they do the test. They each become untied. So there's one less person on the couch. One, per- so it gets down to one guy on the couch, the leader, and they they do it, and it doesn't work, and he just goes. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. It was great because he'd been so like yes. steady and you know just trying to be calm, and then he did. He lost it he for a minute. But I'd be, I'd feel the same as him, Scott. <laughs> but you know, earlier I think we forgot to mention that Nas, the chef, found torn up clothing in the trash bin in the kitchen early in the film after the dog had arrived. Mm. So somebody had been assimilated, and it was just another clue. But we didn't know what that meant at right. the time. So. so now they have to uh, uh, Blair uh, uh, Wilford Brimley. Mm-hmm. They got to go test his character mm-hmm. out in the shack, and they walk out there, and he's not there. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they go back in and they leave uh, Keith David's Childs. They leave his character in there. It's like you stay in here, and then the, there, there's four. There's four left right now, and uh, Kurt Russell and two other. They go out in the shack and. He stays in, and they, they they realize that there's a false bottom on the shack, and they go underground, and it's beautifully lit. So they're underground with these flares, and the flares are lighting this frozen underground cra- uh, cavern, and it just looks fantastic. Yeah. And so it's been building a spaceship. And my thought was, well, just let them finish. <laughs> let them finish the spaceship, and it'll go away. <laughs> yeah, you don't know if he's leaving That's true, yeah. Earth. Yeah, that's true. So it turns out that Blair... 
is one of them. So they make a decision, and another a comparison to both these movies. These are not <laughs> these are not Hollywood endings. No. In either of these movies, so they make the decision. We got to put it, ice it up again. So we got to we we got to we got to die. We got to yeah. put it back to sleep. Now the only thinking with that is people are going to eventually come back to this camp. Mm-hmm. If there's bodies there, they're going to take the bodies. If that thing is a body, they would have to leave. Right. I guess, and and we see during the during the movie, Kurt Russell is leaving messages on like on, on an audio tape. But I think before they do that, I think it would have been nice to see a scene where they they recorded it and they put it somewhere. And it's like a time capsule. A time Here, capsule. Find this. Yeah. yeah, find this. Read this. So they make the decision: we're all going to die. We're gonna we're gonna blow up for the sake up. of humanity. For sake of humanity, we're gonna blow up the thing. We're gonna put it back in the deep freeze. They start lining the the camp with dynamite and then they go back but they realize child is gone david key's character so he's gone so now they think okay oh he might be a thing and while they're doing this wilford brimley attacks the leader Mm -hmm. and puts his fingers in his face i know in the skin muscle under his muscles and cheek and just starts and basically takes his like how you take a sock off how you like it you reverse yeah. it off. Yeah, that's what he, he reverses the skin off his face and, was, and starts dragging him. It was a cool. It's a cool way to die. Yeah, but it was still great. And because and then the other the chef, the one who's left, he just disappears. He just wanders away and he's gone. Yeah. So we we don't get to see how he dies. And then we see the creature in its full form. Yeah. It attacks Kurt Russell in its full form, and it's like ten feet tall. And I believe John Carpenter said there was like fifty people working it. So it's just yeah. it's just a marvel of practical yeah. marvel of practical effects and kurt russell the only so this is like we said he's not a one-liner but right here he just takes a stick of my dynamite throws it just says and eh, well fuck you too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and throws it he blows him up and then we see him wandering around the camp and the camp is on fire and he's and he's he's done you know mm-hmm. he's done and then we see keith david walk out he's done he said i thought i thought i saw blair so he ran, you know. So I went after him. They're just—they have—they have the J and B. He's still drinking. He's Kurt, still <laughs> he's drinking. He's still drinking. And basically, Kurt Russell says, "Let's just stay here and enjoy the fire for a while," and because basically, when the fire goes out, they're going to freeze. Yeah, they're going to freeze to death, and that's it. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. And yeah. <laughs> like I said, no Hollywood ending. Yeah. Now, a little side note on that. We were talking about a prequel. Dark Horse Comics did a sequel to this movie in, in, a, in comic book form. So that's out there if you wanted to uh, if you wanted to look at it. So that was the thing from 1982. Critics hated it. It didn't make any money, but now it is known as a modern classic. Overall thoughts on this movie? Overall, I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, one of the only things that drove me nuts was how much Kurt Russell drank and was still sober. Um, I enjoyed the practical effects. I really, really did uh, because they didn't rely on what the latest and greatest technology was for them, which made it so much more dynamic and grosser and cooler. So it was an enjoyable movie. It was just 12 men trying to figure out how to survive, and they really needed a woman in their life to help. Yeah, a woman would have set them straight. <laughs> that is correct. Well, the, the lead character of the prequel is a woman. Oh, yes, hey. yes, lead character. I can't think of her name, but she is the she's the one who figures everything out in, in the prequel. And that's that thing where 
they call it the thing. Mm-hmm. It, just like the new, like the Halloween reboot. It's Halloween. It's just like, oh. All right, so now we're moving on to The Fly. 1986 had a budget between 9 and 15 million, made 60.6 million, has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 7.6 on IMDb. And unlike The Thing, The Fly was embraced by both audiences and critics when it first came out. So it was the totally opposite of The Thing. It, everybody was on board for The Fly from the beginning, it, and it's still considered a, a science fiction classic mm-hmm. today. Directed by David Cronenberg, who is known for, like, Carpenter is known for his mainly horror. Cronenberg mm-hmm. is known for his horror, but he also directed Crash. He also directed The History of Violence. Little known fact about that movie, that was the last mass-produced VHS movie. Did not know that. Yes. This is a remake of The Fly from 1958, and on orig- and it's like, and I believe it was a remake of of the thing from another world, and I believe that was 1959. So these are right. So both movies were made right around the same time. Okay. Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, John Getz, another very spark. It's basically those three. Now this movie does have other people in it, but basically it's these three people. So both movies have a minimal cast. Right. And Jeff Goldblum as a, it's also a tall cast because Jeff Goldblum is like six four. Gina Davis is like five eleven. Wearing and then she wears heels, so she's like six one, <laughs> six two, and then John Getz is six two. So it's a tall cast, yeah. and I be, and I believe they probably did that since all three of them are going to be on screen together. It's just odd if a six four Jeff Goldblum and like a five three Reese <laughs> yeah. Witherspoon just doing a seat. So either uh, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis were married at the time, or they were just about to get married. So they were a couple for a while. So they were together at this time. And Jeff Goldblum is a scientist, and he's invented teleportation. And Gina Davis is a reporter for a magazine, and he tries to... And this this movie, this movie is like a kitchen sink drama. The thing, and if you don't know, the fly, he teleports himself eventually, and a fly gets in the telepod. In the original movie, he comes out with a fly. I don't know if you've seen any pictures. I have. I've seen that. Still, yeah. yeah. He comes out mutated as a giant fly. In this movie, he gradually turns into a fly and which makes it so much more intense i feel yes because i don't body horror is one of my it's Mm -hmm. it's i don't like body horror that's my thing it's like slasher it's not that i don't like i mean i enjoyed the movie but it's just like body horror is something that gets to me so the thing about this movie and the thing is it came they came out in the early to mid 80s right when aids was big and both people thought that the filmmakers were making a statement of AIDS, this unknown thing invading oh, yeah. our bodies. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is. And both of them are like, no. That's, that's too meta for yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. So, but if you replace Jeff Goldblum slowly mutating into a fly with somebody dying of cancer, it's the same movie. It's you know the, the relationship between people uh, coping with somebody slowly dying in front of your eyes like I said it's, it's, a, it's really a kitchen sink drama right. with great acting from mainly uh, Goldblum and uh, Gina Davis and they were a couple at a time so it really really worked and I love Jeff Goldblum oh who doesn't yes. America's Sweetheart America's like, Sweetheart now what did you think of this movie uh, I really enjoyed this one and this one was even more uh, horrific quote unquote to me um, because 
I could relate to Gina a lot more like when she's trying to decide do I keep this baby because I don't know if we conceived it before <laughs> teleportation or after right? right and so when she has her nightmare of the abortion with this giant larva coming out to me as a woman I was like oh my god that's awful like it truly is just this horrible it that pulled on my horse. And we will t- we'll talk about that when we get to that point yeah, and sorry. The, no that, that's fine like I said the, these if some if people are listening to this, they've seen these movies. Yeah. And if you haven't seen these movies, we're so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that we spoiler spoiled movies uh, 30 plus years old. But it's just heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. It's a great heartbreaking sci-fi little horror movie, and it just does a really good job of making you fall in love with the characters and just being heartbroken it, for them. And you know, this movie. I, I I don't I don't want this to sound bad, but the two main male characters, Jeff Goldblum and John Getz, they get they get fucked up because of a woman, their own doing. It's like yeah. she doesn't do anything to. I mean, but they are both in love with Gina Davis, and they both get their lives ruined because of their love for Gina Gina Davis. Like I said, she is not doing anything wrong. She's well, not so much Jeff Goldblum because he's the one pushing, the, doing the teleportation yeah. of himself, and she's like, "I don't know if that's a good idea." <laughs> but the reason he did it is because he was jealous. That's correct. He, he did it because he was jealous because she thought he thought that she was still in love with uh, uh, John Getz, and John Getz plays Gina Davis's boss, and he plays an excellent shitty person. He does. He has a history of doing that. Like he's just great at it. But he does a one eighty. He does a one eighty. Becomes the most supportive, like. I got your back. And, and I'm going to say this. So, uh, Gina Davis has every point in the, you know, she can leave him at any time. Leave there. She stays, even though he's like um, this misogynist pig who makes comments about having sex with her all the time. She stays with him. And she also comes to him when she needs help the most. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a it's an odd relationship. It's like he, she knows he's in love with her, but he, he she's not breaking it off completely. She's broken off the romantic part, but she's not breaking off the business part. John Getz is totally in the friend zone, but he's thinking, okay, because he's thinking that Jeff Goldblum is dying. And he's like, if I stay here long enough, I'm going to be able to cash in when this is over. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think John Getz is thinking. I think he does care about her. He does they, care about aren't her. Aren't they married at one point? I don't think they were married. Okay, I think they, they were, were just together. they were just together. Yeah. Um, I think his care for her over comes over the, if I stick it in long enough. Like, at this point now, he's legit concerned. Yeah. Like, he's seen the VHS and the video <laughs> recording, and he's like, oh, shit, you know. And she's terrified. And I think the manly man in him mm. wants to protect her mm-hmm. and help her navigate whatever the hell this is. Well, from the beginning, uh, they meet at the science uh, conference. Jeff Goldblum takes her back to his place. He lives in a um, warehouse, and he's invented these telepods. At this point, he can only teleport inanimate objects. If you teleport something of living tissue, it basically says it turns them inside. It turns that thing inside out. Yeah. And she's going to... She's, <laughs> but it's like, once again, he's telling her all this, 
because he likes it and and she's like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take this to my boss and he's like you can't take this to your boss it's like oh yeah i am and jeff goldblum he's a bit naive he plays a i think he's an innocent in this movie he's one of these scientists i i don't he's not i don't think he's very worldly about women no at all no none he doesn't have social skills no very, like he he is a typical if they're painting a picture of a <laughs> of an, a spectrum smarty science mm-hmm. man who doesn't know how to talk to people mm-hmm. let alone women mm-hmm. this is it because he actually thought talking to a reporter he thought that it was fine he thought he was just flirting by showing her his telepods and she's taking it back to his boss john gets and he thinks that you know goldblum is a con man and Goldblum's like, great. So he, he grabs Gina Davis and he says, what you do, you write a book about me. You'll document everything. And then at the end of your book, it'll be me, me transporting myself 15 feet, 15 feet through space through the telepods. So we see a montage of them working together. They try to teleport a baboon. Yeah, that's the inside out part. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't work out great for the baboon. I, I, Until he figures out. He totally figures line. it out. But he figures out, why a baboon? Isn't there like lesser life forms i that, don't know yeah. i guess whatever his grant or lab yes. can give <laughs> i think there would be lesser life like maybe a snake or something a like rat that. a rat maybe but <laughs> maybe he wanted something as close to human I may, you know possible. what that's probably it yeah. you, you are correct with that something as close to human being as possible you know you, you're probably that's exactly right and it doesn't work out and he gets frustrated so usually in a situation like this in a movie it would be the the man hitting on the woman, but actually Gina Davis is, starts hitting on Jeff Goebel. Right. I think part of it is because her ex, Getz, is this smarmy, sarcastic, you know, non-naive guy. And here you have Jeff Goldblum, who's legit adorable in this film because mm-hmm. he has that innocence and he's just mm-hmm. genuine speaks what's on his mind and he's damn good looking yeah. right so. well they now a couple of things bothered me you know the the drinking you said for the last one with me it's like um they there's a they'd have a couple of um, pretty gratuitous not gratuitous but pretty realistic sex scenes yeah, yeah. they were dating they were dating. married they were comfortable with but you see a, you see a, a golden without a shirt on and he's pretty well He's not Jack, but he's in good shape. And I'm like, would a scientist really be in that good a shape? It's like usually, you know, they're inside, no, you know, fluorescent lights. They're not getting out. They're not exercising. Probably not eating right. <laughs> so that was the one thing. And uh, they have sex. And then Gina Davis says something to him about flesh. This is a nitpick. He, uh, he puts a piece of steak on a plate and he puts it in there and he teleports it. The steak and the plate didn't combine. Mm-hmm. But later in the film, spoiler, after Jeff, Bol- Jeff Goldblum turns completely into a fly, he accidentally gets transported and gets part of the telepod in him fused mm-hmm. together. Right. If that happened, why didn't the stake in the plate? Because well, they're both not... He's breaking out of the telepod, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just... Unless it was because they were both non-living, I don't know. But anyway, nitpick, total, total, yeah, total, 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 total nitpick. He figures it out. They teleport the baboon. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, and this is where his na- na- naivete, naivete, yeah, na- comes into play. He's like, "We got to send the baboon out for tests." Gene uh, Davis is like, "How long is that going to take? A couple of weeks." She goes, "Why don't we go on vacation?" And because earlier, and what we forgot earlier in the scene is 
her boss, John Getz, finds out that they're together. Yeah. And he, I mean, he literally breaks down yeah. in this store. She's buying Jeff Goldblum a leather jacket. And he has one of the best lines in the movie where she's like, don't you see I'm on something big? What, his cock? It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is totally butthurt. And he is just, totally butthurt. Yeah. So to sort of get back at her, he is going to publish his teleportation stuff. Ahead of schedule. Ahead of schedule, without his knowledge. And that's exactly what Jeff Goldblum doesn't want Jeff Goldblum doesn't want done. I think that's why he's doing it, a little jab at her, a little jab at him. Mm-hmm. So she finds out about it. So after she's like, yeah, let's go on vacation. And then she's like, I got to take care of something. And then Jeff Goldblum's like, I thought we were ordering Chinese. We're going to stay in. And she's like, don't rush it. So she just goes totally lovey-dovey on him, and then she's like, back off. Mm-hmm. So I think that confuses Jeff Goldblum, not, right. being, not being a worldly man with women. He doesn't know what's going on. He gets jealous. He gets drunk. Not like Kurt Russell. No. He gets drunk. Yeah. And he goes through the telepod, and, the, and of course, the fly gets in the telepod. Right. There's a great scene where he's talking to the baboon. He's drunk, and he's talking to the baboon like the baboon's a person. Right. right. Very, very fun scene. Yes. Residue means her old boyfriend, doesn't it? Stathis Barnes is her old boyfriend. From the desk of Stathis Barnes. How about under the desk of Stathis Barnes? She's working for her old boyfriend. Now she runs out late at night to see him. What is this, the Ronnie game? I'm catching on, I'm catching on. I didn't mean to kill your brother, but he didn't die in vain, if that's of any comfort. And as the general said, there's nothing I'd ask you to do that I wouldn't do myself, boys. Hey, you're all right. I'm looking at you. I can tell you're okay. What are we waiting for? Let's do it. There's a fly, and I think it's a real fly. Like a horsefly? Like a horsefly bothering the baboon. And I don't know if it wasn't computer generated, which I don't think it was. I don't know how they did that, but it looked great. The baboon is like swatting the fly. The fly keeps flying back and forth. It's like, if they caught that by magic, congratulations. If they, however they framed it, it, great. And I just want, one other thing before we go on. Mel Brooks produced this movie. I did not know that. Yes, but his name is nowhere on it because yeah. he didn't want people to think, oh, it's going to be a cheesy, it's going to be a Spaceballs. He didn't want people to think. That's why he kept his name off of it. because I did not see his name in the credits. It's called Brooks Film. So, but his name is not in the credits. And he did that pur- purposely not to hurt the movie. Yeah. Because the line, apparently the line where after Jeff Goldblum gets transferred into a fly and he's mutating into a fly, Gina Davis hugs him. Mm-hmm. And he says, help me, please help me. Apparently, that was Mel Brooks's idea. That was his line. I just wanted to throw that out before I forgot. Yeah, so, no, very, it's a very cool fact. So he goes through he with the fly. He doesn't know the fly's in right. there at one. And she comes back in. They have sex again. And then the next morning, he starts doing these gymnastics yeah. around the... flippies and yes. calisthenics that he could never do before. So I mentioned him being ripped b- before. Maybe that's what he can do. Like, but in the movie Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, before he's Spider-Man, we always see him with his shirt on. And then after he gets bit, 
there's a scene where he's ripped. So it's like, oh, so the spider did that to him. Maybe if they did that in this movie, maybe if they didn't show Jeff Goldblum without his shirt on, but then after he absorbs the fly, you see him getting cut and lean. Yeah. That, might, that would have worked more. But he starts, you know, he's, he's got all, now he's got all this energy and he's eating more and more sweets. There's a scene where they're, where they're having coffee and he keeps putting coffee. And he thinks the reason he's like this is like, as he puts it, it's like coffee being put through a filter. This machine has filtered out all my impurities. So now I'm... Yeah. He's trying to explain the difference. Yes. Early in the movie, he slept on a microchip or something. So he has this cut in his back. Right. So after he goes through the machine... We keep cutting back to that, and we see these little fly hairs. Like these very thick, Very coarse. thick, coarse fly hairs. Yeah, it's, it's not cute. It's not cute. <laughs> and That's one of the first outwardly physical changes that you see on him. Yes. Because obviously we've identified he was ripped before, mm-hmm. so this is the first... This is the first thing. This proves... I mean, well, we knew something was wrong because we saw the fly. No, I know, but just that physical manifestation yes. of the fly. So and she cuts him off with shears. It's like like a pruning shears or whatever. He wants him to. She. He, you go through the machine. Yeah, he's pushing it. And she doesn't want to do it. And he flips out. And he and he goes out. Right. This is after a couple of days. Like she's starting to get really concerned. He is. He constantly wants to have sex. Yeah. And his face. His face. Like, now he's starting to get like acne or something. Yes. Like that's what it, you think it is because of all the sugar he's consuming. Yes. But he is changing yes. now more. And he goes out, and he goes to this bar, and this is the grossest... This, to me, makes... Hey! <laughs> he arm wrestles this guy, and during the arm wrestle, he, bre- and a, he breaks his arm, and a bone pops out yeah, through. Yeah, that's intense. I can't... It's like, that is hard for me to watch. And he picks up this... Horror. Yeah, this part of the movie pissed me off, because, like... The two guys are just completely talking around or negotiating the fact that she's going to go home with him yeah. if he loses the yeah. arm wrestle. And it's like, bitch, say something. Yeah. But she ends up thinking, oh, it's fine. And she goes back home, goes back to his place, and they have sex. And this is something that's always stuck with me. It's like, what if she's pregnant too? I never thought of that. Yeah, because even if she's on contraceptive... He's got that weird fly sperm. Might not work, you know. What's <laughs> I don't know how potent. I don't know how potent fly sperm is, but he's got it. <laughs> but he wants to get her to go through the, it, it, and then Gina Davis comes in. The the whore leaves. Yeah. I shouldn't call her the whore. I mean, whatever. So <laughs> she gets uncomfortable. Like things get intense. And, yes, yeah. and she leaves in her panties. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's, hey. It's, sometimes yeah, get you know what? When you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah. And it's, I mean, he's in a warehouse. It's not like there's neighbors That's in the true. hallway. That's true, too. Yeah. It's in the... How she gets home, I don't know. It's the city. There's cabs. She sent the hairs out to be analyzed, and he, they're insect hairs. Right. And Jeff Goldblum doesn't believe it. And at this point, yeah, he's getting spots all over his body. And you also see he's he's trying to eat this chocolate bar, but he's, it, it's bothering him. He can't He can't take a bite of it. And this is all going to come through. Right. Uh, he kicks her out. He's like, I'm, I've been released. I've been set free. You bring, he, he kicks her out. Bye. Bye. Boom. And then he goes to the computer. Well, no, first he goes to the uh, his medicine cabinet. And right. he tries to shave off the hairs. And 
he can't. And then he starts discovering. He bites off his fingernail, and then he all this pus. And this this is a very. I think that's after a couple. Hasn't time passed at this point? No. This oh, is right okay. after she leaves. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The fingernails come yes. off. Yes, so the Ooh. fingernails come off. This this is a lot of fluidly, this is a fluid-based Right, because he's a nail-biter, and so he's looking in the yes. mirror, and he has his finger in his mouth, and he pulls his finger away, and the nail stays in his mouth. Yes, and then he... Pushes on it. He pushes on it like you'd push on a pimple, and it puts... And, uh, so we cut to a scene, and he puts gloves on. That, I, that, that was... I don't want to say that was funny, but it was, it was funny. I think of all the things, yes. too. So, <laughs> and he goes to the computer, and he's like, run me a disc. And he basically goes back to when he went through the first time, and you realize that it was a fly. Mm-hmm. He, he asks what ha- you know. It Basically, the computer became a gene splicer, and it spliced his genes and the fly's genes together. Right. So then we get, she gets a call. This was a bit heavy-handed, but I guess it's like, Seth is, and she smokes, and I didn't buy I, for some reason I didn't buy her as a smoker. She, it just didn't look like she was a smoker, but she smokes through this movie. And the phone rings, and it's Seth, and it's Jeff Goldblum, and she's like, he's like, I, I've been afraid to see you these last four weeks. So that was a pretty heavy-handed yeah, way of saying I mean. time has passed. Time has passed. She comes back, and he's all deformed. He's, he's deformed. He's walking with canes. He's just oozing. Yeah, he is really fucking yeah. gross. And, and I saw this movie in the theater. A big version. <laughs> yeah, I saw this movie in the theater. You know, they're talking, and it, it's, it's, a sw- it's a sweet scene in a way where she wants to comfort him, and, she, and he's like, no, don't touch me. You're so, you're so pretty. You know, I don't want, this might be contagious. I don't want, I don't want anything to happen to you. It's, it's a sweet scene it's, it, that is gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ends up hugging him in all of his grossness. And I just remember that got one of the biggest reactions in the movie theater when she hugs him. At, you know. But that's true love right there. It's like yeah. she didn't care that he was contagious or what he looked like at right. that point. And at this point, like his teeth are kind of missing, but not like he is just yeah. gross. He goes to eat something and all the white stuff comes yes. pouring out of his mouth. Oh. <laughs> and then he play, his ear falls off right in yes. front of her. His ear falls oh. And he's like, oh, that's disgusting. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's disgusting. Um, more time has passed. This is when they, in this when they film? Yes. They this come back. They film. This is when they film. She goes to John Getz again, and, and he goes. Um, to show him how bad. No, she, he goes, don't go back. And she goes, you, you got to see him. He's like, okay, show me. So film him and bring it back. So she goes back. And at this point, so the mutation has progressed. Where he is, he's no longer feeble. He's climbing. He's, cli- he's Spider Man at this point. Yeah. He's climbing the walls. Uh, he pulls up his shirt. He goes, "What's that? I don't know what that is." So at this point, he's starting to embrace mm-hmm. the fact that he's he, less scared. He's less scared. He's more excited about what's happening to him. Oh yeah, and each new thing that falls off, he has a medicine cabinet yes. of tr- like the history museum of Seth whatever and. <laughs> His penis is in there. Yeah. Ear, penis, <laughs> penis teeth, teeth, like yeah. everything. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's really gross. And he starts calling himself Brundlefly. Yeah. He goes, I'm an offshoot of Fly and Brundle. So he's like, I'm Brundlefly. And um, now, yeah, let's videotape. Let's, let's videotape this. It. So he videotapes how 
a fly eat. What a fly does is it will regurgitate on something. It will lick a fly and it, suck it, it will suck it up. And that's what he does. And so we see John Getz watching this. It's like, oh my God. And all you can hear is you the get, sound of it. Yeah. yeah. Very, very well done. And then Gina Davis comes in. Now we find out she's pregnant. And then we get, then we get a scene where she's gone to the doctor. And this is what you were talking about. Right. So in the movie, we think that she's losing the baby, but it's a dream sequence where she dreams she gives birth to a giant maggot. And I mean, they show the, and it's a flesh colored, like, yeah. larva maggot thing, and it's wiggling, and it, the doctor needs two hands. Like, this is yeah. a legit size. And it's, as a woman, I was horrified. Yes. Horrified. And so, she wakes up. <laughs> and she wakes up. So she she goes back once again, and I, I believe to tell him that she's pregnant right. and she's Gets going to get. Goes, he no, no, this is this is before he before he goes. Oh no, you're right. He does go, but he stays outside in the yeah, parking lot. You are you are correct. Lot. You are correct. Yes, he goes and she wants to tell him, but she just can't find the words. And he does he does the speech. And at, now at this point, Jeff Goldblum has adopted. He's he's twitching. Yeah. It, he, he does a fantastic job of conveying what a, a, a person who mutated into a fly would do. Right, yeah, we're starting to really, We're really starting to really see it. it start The makeup is great. You can see the, you know, the, the fly's eyes under his. Mm-hmm. And then he does this really touching but odd speech about insects and politics. Have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion. No compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. You see, I'd like to, uh, but, oh, I'm afraid, um... I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm saying... I'm saying I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it, but now the dream is over. And the insect is awake. No, sir. I'm saying... I'll hurt you if you stay. And Gina Davis is just like, I don't you know... You lost your fucking yeah, mind. Basically, yeah, basically. And then he just puts it out and goes, I'll hurt you if, I, if you stay. Yeah. Boom. She's gone. She's out of there. She gets us in the parking lot. She's like, I want an abortion now. Yeah. Has to happen. And he's like, I can, maybe not. She's like, no, fuck it now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want this thing in my body one more minute. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum sees him from the window. So he follows. He follows them. them. Now they go to the doctor, and the gynecologist is David Cronenberg, the director. Mm-hmm. And so they set it up. They they let him know that the father might be deformed. Not might be. He is. Yes. And. <laughs> He's the gynecologist. He's like, we can run some tests. She's like, I don't want tests. I could start off normal. And so she's in a room. 
and uh, and Jeff Goldblum just comes crashing through the window. I know, and I love how you can see the shape of his body, yeah. like like a like his arms and legs, like he's gonna land on this window wall, but he just goes through it. <laughs> and he kidnaps her, and I guess he's put together that she's pregnant. He, she's never told him, but he, he's put it together. He's like, please don't have an abortion. That might be the last. He has a, once again a real touching line. Please don't kill me. Yeah. And she, and she's like, I can't. I, I I I can't do this. So he take so he he's going to take her back to his place, and somehow John gets gets there earlier than he, I don't know how that would happen. Well, because he stopped to talk to her on a roof, but was maybe it, that's was so. Was it his roof? Or was I don't it just know. A different a, roof. A, a roof. Yeah. And by the way, if you go online, there is a deleted scene where most of this takes place in the warehouse. Right, yeah, it's very limited. Very limited, but there is a scene where he goes outside as the fly and an arm sprouts out through his and, and he actually bites the arm off. So there's a deleted scene. I don't know if, oh. if you want to look if you're out there. There's a deleted scene on on face on YouTube uh, from the fly. But somehow John gets gets back to there before them and he's brought a shotgun which he puts together. I'm like, dude, have that thing together and loaded before you go in, all right? Yeah, but he's a magazine editor. Like, <laughs> he doesn't seem real rough and tough and ready. Yeah, I don't care if you're rough and tough. Have that ready. Yeah, don't be putting yeah. it together. Oh, wait a minute. There's a giant fly out there. And, and this, once again, this is nitpicking. He walks up to a computer, presses a random button, and once again, we get exposition. What's going to happen is... It's set, there, there's two telepods, and it's set up that he had an original telepod, but he improved on it. What he's going to do is he's going to put Gina Davis and the baby in one telepod, mm-hmm. put him in another telepod, and then combine all three of them into a being that's going to come out in the third telepod. Right. He has officially lost his fucking yes. mind. Uh, but while he's looking at this, Jeff Goldblum drops down from the ceiling and then uh, puts fly vomit on his hand, which corrodes it away. Puts fly vomit on his foot, which corrodes it away. So, this, so John Getz just lost. He he's in the sequel. John Getz. So, what happens in the sequel? Gina Davis has the baby. Dies. Not Gina Davis, but she's not in the movie. But the character has the baby. She dies immediately, and then they raise the baby, and they find John Getz, and John Getz goes, "You know, your mother cost me an arm and a leg." Yeah. Hey yo. Uh, but so John gets his arm, his hand has been eaten away, his foot has been eaten away, and Jeff Goldblum is about to barf on his face. Yeah. And Gina Davis is like, "No, don't." He brings her down and tells her what he's going to do. I'm going to put you in there. I'm going to go in there. We're going to be the ultra, ultimate, ultimate nuclear family. And yeah. she's horrified. So he starts right. dragging her, and she starts beating him. And then so the flesh starts starts falling yeah. off of him. Yeah, like. It's- Rips like paper. Yes. Yes. And now he is, a, there's no humanity. No humanity. It's, he's just a giant, he's just a giant fly that obviously still has intelligence because he right. still knows what he's doing. And he throws her into the telepod and closes it. And then he gets into the telepod and John gets, he's the hero. He's not dead yet. He's yeah. not dead yet. He saves the day. So he's, he has his gun. And he shoots the telepod, the cables running to the telepod that Gina Davis is in. So that telepod is deactivated. Right. And Jeff Goldblum in his telepod starts beating on the glass to get out. Mm-hmm. And just as he gets out, he puts his hand, or whatever that is, his mm-hmm. 
on the side of the telepod. He disappears with part of the telepod. And this, and it, there's a really cool scene where you see computer and you see a bunch of the, you know, these numbers. Right. We cut to the telepod. The two telepods that work have a glass door, so you can see inside. This this telepod ha- it does not. It has a solid door. You can't see what's inside. You see on the computer, uh, you know, fusion of Brundlefly and telepod complete. Right. The door opens, and you just hear this roar, and the thing falls out, and it's just this fly with metal. Just right. No legs now. No legs like now. It's, it's just a very sad. It's just very, very sad. And it starts crawling towards Gina Davis, and Gina Davis takes the shotgun, and, and the fly grabs it and puts it to its and head. And it's looking at her with these big old puppy bug eyes, yeah. like... Please. Now this was, and she pulls it away, and she goes, "I can't do it." And that was the second big reaction I remember seeing in the movie theater. People, oh, come on! It's like, <laughs> yeah. And she eventually blows his head off. Right. Yeah, he's he puts like, it on there, blows his head he's off. Like, you need to do this. End of movie. That's it. No yeah. post, no police showing up, no taking away an ambulance. Boom. Yeah. Both these movies end like, and that was The Fly from 1986. It won an Academy Award for its makeup. Which was amazing. Yes. It was yes. amazing. I know I've always really liked this movie. I enjoyed it. It was a great rewatch. Um, uh, and like I said, the, it, this movie, as terrifying and creepy and gross as it was, was just more heartbreaking. Mm. Which you know is awesome because yeah. we're yeah. supposed to feel something. Right. All right. Now it's time for which is more gooder. So now you have to decide which one of these movies is more gooder. The fly. The fly. All right. I'm going to go with the thing. You would. It's men blowing shit up. Men blowing shit up. None of that love. The grossest part of the fly was all that hugging and kissing. They're both great movies. I can't recommend. I I recommend both these movies highly. But yes, I I, I love the fly. And Kurt Russell and Jeff Goldblum, two of my favorite actors. Oh, absolutely. Gina Davis. I don't think she gets enough credit. Robert Duvall said something about uh, uh, the movie Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. He said Tom Cruise doesn't get enough credit because if you you know Dustin Hoffman gets all the credit for playing uh, uh, you know that character with mental deficiencies. And usually when you play somebody with mental deficiencies in a movie or you play somebody you know, like you're the fly, you usually get all the credit. The person playing opposite person usually doesn't get enough credit. Right. And I totally agree. Gina Davis does not get enough credit playing opposite of Jeff Goldblum. She brings a lot of humanity into this and oh, she yeah. brings all the feel. All the like, feel, all the feel, all the fear. All, you know, you're, you're losing somebody. You're in danger. It's the, the whole spectrum. You know what? I'm changing it to the fly. Yay! I'm changing it to the fly. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, that's it. Uh, Mariel, anything you want to plug? No, I have nothing going on right now. <laughs> all right. Both these movies are spectacular. Uh, make sure you. these are not for the weak. Yeah. These are going. These are both have a lot of great practical effects. A lot of a, a lot of like I said, a lot of fluid flying yes, everywhere. Yes, tons. So, and these are definitely not for children. But two of the best science fiction movies from the '80s, probably ever. And usually, when people say a remake is never as good as the original, usually the examples they give are these two movies yeah. where the the remake has surpassed the original. Correct. All right, and like I said, maybe next time we'll do the originals. We'll put those two up against each other. All right, thank you everybody for listening, and we'll see everybody here next time on the Witch is More Gooder podcast. Bye. That's it. Thank you. All right. Oh, I got to pee. 
To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Which is More Gooder podcast. Cross the Street Media. This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast.